All right, this is going to be another great episode. We're going to hit some topics that I know are going to be useful for all of you. We're going to talk about how fear can really rule your life and get in between you and your partner. We're going to talk about the importance of a love-based understanding of the self and just, you know, the importance of intentional time together with your partner. We're also going to take a really kind of a deep dive into just how the ego, how your own like sort of voice inside your head can create major obstacles to being connected with your partner. So, you know, join us in this episode. You're going to get a heck of a lot out of it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Relationship Renovation Podcast. I'm Tara Kerwin. And my name is EJ Kerwin. And we're always just so happy to be here and provide amazing resources for individuals and couples and how to live their best lives, either with themselves or together. Absolutely. And today we're interviewing Barry Nicolau. He's a published author. He's also a a corporate well-being coach, uh, which is something that's really cool. He's going to talk to us as well. And welcome to the show, Barry. Oh, Tara, AJ, thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, you're coming all the way from where? From Sydney, Australia. We have vastly different time zones. <laughs> we're not even in the same day right now. We're like, not. We're, today, it's Friday here and it's Saturday there. It's it's Saturday morning. And I was just saying off air now that the kids have gone off to the park for an early morning. Well, my wife's gone for the coffee, but she's dragging the children along <laughs> to play at the playground. <laughs> the sacrifices our partners make for us, right, Barry? Oh, just incredible. Yeah. I mean, how about we just start off with, just tell us a little bit about you. Absolutely. So I guess for me, um, it all started in 2015. So eight years ago. Oh, my God. And I was in the shoe industry at the time. I was running late for an appointment and I got a call in the car saying, Barry, I'm actually also running late. So can you delay my appointment an hour? And I'm like, no problem. And what happened next was quite surreal. My car felt like it steered itself into this beautifully appointed cemetery in the northwestern suburbs of Sydney. Don't know anyone that's buried there, just kind of wanted to kill the hour, more or less. Mm -hmm. Got out of my car, started walking amongst these beautiful gravestones. And, you know, naturally you do the maths between the years that, you know, people were born and people passed away. And I kind of came into a real epiphany of, you know, it's not just 80 and, you know, 90 year olds that are there. You know, you get 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds and 40-year-olds that are buried in this place. And it kind of really struck me on a level that I didn't think I would be struck at, you know, on the way to an appointment with a customer. And it brought me into a realization that life is indeed finite. And as I leant up against my car, uh, this surreal, spooky, call it whatever you want, happening happened to me that I can't quite, still eight years on, I, I still can't quite get a grasp of what actually happened, but I felt three words more or less. And those words were live your life. And it was quite scary the way they were communicated because I've never heard communication on that level before. It was almost a soul-based understanding that you've got to go out there and live a truth-based existence based on who you are. And um, I kind of drove away to my customer appointment after that and I just dismissed it. I didn't think anything of that cemetery encounter. I just left it because I thought, live your life. Not really the biggest epiphany in the world. (laughs) If you want to give me something, give me the lottery numbers. (laughs) So I kind of went home, went to sleep, didn't even tell my wife about it. I thought this is going to sound crazy. Went to sleep that night, 
and had a dream and the word your was burning in my mind like it was glowing, like live your life. Don't necessarily live a life based on what, you know, your friends and family and the people closest around you think you should be doing. Live a life that is a truth-based existence for your soul, for your purpose, for your, for your understanding. And then that asked some serious questions of myself. I started to, to find, you know, what did I love and what didn't I love? And I started to become extremely specific. I started to carve out the things that I loved. And I just started writing at 3 a.m. in the morning. Wow. After a year of writing, I had this thing that looked like a book. I know no one in the publishing industry. I know no friends with books. I know no one that can get this thing published. And this is what tends to happen when you are on track. Right. The green lights happen mm-hmm. quite quickly. Mm-hmm. And then I get this Facebook message, guys, a random advert on Facebook that says, we publish books. If you have a manuscript, we'd love to hear from you. And I'm like, that's weird. So I got in touch with the publishing house. We caught up for a coffee. I told them about the idea about the cemetery. And we got to number one on Amazon in, I believe, six countries and 19 categories on Amazon. And this deep desire to assist people listen to themselves and make sure that we make very aligned choices with the time we have left. So it's pretty insane. (laughs) Pretty cool. Yeah. So you were just driving to an appointment. You had a delay and then you had this existential epiphany. And a year later, you are publishing a number one bestselling book. That is a green light. Wow. That's well, and crazy. what was the message? What were you, you know, inspired to write? Well, I was subconsciously embracing the fear in my life and it was ruling me. Um, and I looked at all my decisions and I, I kind of, when I peeled back the layers and I went behind the curtain and I, I uncovered what was driving me to my decisions, there were fear-based thoughts behind it. And I, I wanted to leave that behind and I wanted to embrace love. And as soon as I did that, the river started flowing. Like it's, I started to go along with the current. I wasn't necessarily fighting it upstream. And I believe this is what happens, be it in relationships and be it in, mm-hmm. in business or be it in our personal friendships or our business, whatever it is, our jobs. When you start aligning yourself with a love-based understanding that, you know, you are a spark of divinity, you're a spark of love. You, are, you, you can create from nothing. You can create from thought. Then all of a sudden, the situations, the circumstances, the people that line up with that vibration, with that frequency of thought, make their way into your life. And all of a sudden, to the outside world, it looks like you've gotten lucky or it looks like you've been blessed mm. beyond everyone else. And it's, it's not that. It's that God has given all of us this ability to align our future by aligning our thoughts. And if we're receiving, and what I found with my life personally, I was fighting with my wife. I was not getting along with my family, with my extended family. And I found that it wasn't necessarily them. There was turmoil inside me. Right. And until I sorted through that, then the relationships, I, I stopped, this is going to sound horrible in a way, but I stopped giving a lot of weight to other people's opinions. And I started to value my own opinion about myself. And I fortified my inner self-worth, my inner structure. And from that point, situations that matched that understanding of who I wanted to become and who I really desperately wanted to be, then aligned with that. Like I said, the people, the situations, the circumstances. Mm-hmm. So, so the first book was all about 
understanding that I wanted economic freedom, like I wanted the economic freedom to do whatever I want, to spend time in whatever I wanted to do. But then I wanted the fulfillment that comes from living a life based on service and love. Mm. So I wanted those two areas to collide. So the, the, the first book, The 11 Master Secrets to Business Success and Personal Fulfillment, is about those 11 areas that I found at those 3 a.m. in the morning yeah. <laughs> times that had those areas really kind of, you know, collide and, and mash and make sure that we end up being a life that we're not necessarily slaved to a economic scenario. We're actually allowing scenarios to enter our life mm-hmm. that excel at who we are mm-hmm. as people. Yeah. One thing that I'm thinking about as I'm listening to your beautiful story is, you know, we see a lot of couples and one of the things a majority of the couples say is, gosh, we just feel like we're robots. We're doing this thing. We're doing these jobs. We're doing this parenting. We're, and it's like that spark of who they used to be is gone. And I think they blame the relationship on that or whatever. And I think what I'm hearing is like, we just become kind of attached to these things that aren't our true path. And then that's very disconnecting within ourselves And then we kind of look around and then this environment feels disconnecting. And I'm just thinking of that robot metaphor that a lot of couples use. Well, and we begin to think that the inner, the unhappiness that we're struggling with is, it's obviously the person in front of my nose. It's my partner, it's my partner's parents, or it's something else. So if I change that- It's this coworker. Yeah. And this, (laughs) I mean, I think this feeds like perfectly into sort of the topic we're going to talk with you about today is that like, you know, if you are not, if you're not okay yourself, and I think you used the words prior to when we started recording, if you don't love yourself- it makes it super hard to have a loving, connected relationship with your partner. A hundred percent. And and um, listen, I'll, I'll give you a bit of an understanding of where Lana and I are at. Like Lana is a lawyer and I'm in the wellbeing space. And we're often sometimes on different pages, often on different pages. We've got Grace, who's turning six in May. And we've got Harmony, who is turning three in July. So we've got two kids under six years old. We've both got work. We've both got kids. We've both got enormous kind of commitments as well in our lives, financial and otherwise. And does it get hard? Yes. Um, Do you sometimes want to kill each other? Yes. Mm -hmm. Does the love that was just between the two of you, is it now redirected to the children? Yes. Does it harm the relationship? Well, yes, if you don't work on the relationship. And there's a lot of cliches out there about date nights and what have you, and I think it's all very important that you do that. But I think the biggest key for me and for Lana, I mean, we've been together 17 years, married 17 years, and we've been together for 23 altogether. The biggest key for us is every night when the girls go to bed, Lana and I don't necessarily switch on the television. What we do is we have this kind of intense one-hour chat about what's going on in our minds. And it's not a a chat to save people's feelings and it's not a chat. It's a chat to kind of get the stuff out, Mm -hmm. like get it out, get it out, get it out in the open, get it out in the open. And I'm not necessarily advocating that you be rude, but you've got to have, have open and honest discussions and sometimes the stuff inside has been sitting there for so long that it comes out as anger and it comes out as frustration and it comes out as hurt being and pain, essentially. And so what I do with Lana is we sit there and you know we sit for an hour and I just say, I need you to just open up for half an hour and I'm not going to say anything. 
I'm just going to listen. I'm not going to rebut. I'm not going to say, yeah, but did you think about, I'm not going to try and fix anything. I just want you to get it out. And for the second half of the hour, then I do the same. And for 15, 20 minutes after that, what tends to have happened is we've both seen each other's viewpoints and we've both sat with each other's viewpoints for half an hour, which by the way, for a married couple of 17 years, that's an eternity. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really is because you always yeah. want to interject. You always want to say, yeah, but I've known you for so long and come on, like, is that really you? And you want to say stuff. So being a guy, I kind of want to fix things and I've realized mm-hmm. that I, I can't. And sometimes what Lana needs is just an ear. And I've had to, it's been a huge learning curve for me. I've had to just shut my mouth and just listen. Mm-hmm. Um, even if I, I agree, don't agree. I, even if I agree, I still don't actually say anything. And I guess it, it, it allows the other person to understand that they've been heard. And then from that being heard, then you can make a joint plan as a team on how to tackle certain things. But for us, that's what works. That, that one hour in the evening, sometimes we wrap it up in half an hour because we've gotten through so much of our stuff for the week that there's nothing else new to say. But I think having this every night after the kids go to bed, switch off the television. Like don't necessarily go and watch Netflix for the next two hours and then get tired and go to bed. Like have that, have that communication between yourselves. And for us, that's what tends to work. I mean, there's a couple of things in there that you said that I think are super important and things we talk to all of the couples and all of our listeners about. And the first thing is just the most basic is that you make it a priority to connect with your partner regularly, you know, whether it's every day or every couple of days, but so you make that intentional space and then you couple it with, with what you were talking about, which is a skill set. You said yeah. you had to learn it is active listening you know, is, is sitting there and not getting into your own narrative and not sitting and waiting. So to make your response, but instead really creating that space for your partner where you are just listening and they can tell, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Builds emotional safety. And when we're again, in some relationships, we kind of lose that curiosity. Like you're saying, Barry, like we think we know everything, Oh, when we get to have that time and just be curious about each other again, it feels so good. I think that's why couples love the beginning of our couples counseling process because we're we're asking all these questions. We're having them ask all of these questions. We're saying set aside time every single day to check in with how you're each doing and teaching them all those skills. Yeah. Wh- so Barry, what do you see as what are the obstacles? You know, wh- what do you see when you're working with individuals or maybe you've experienced it with yourself and your wife? Like, what gets in the way of making that intentional space of, of really listening to your partner? For me, um, it comes down to um, when I face resistance, be it in my own relationship or say with friends or with colleagues, it's usually the ego getting involved and then justifying. See, I believe from the research that I've done is that the ego will make you believe that you are correct. It'll make mm-hmm. you feel that you're right. And right needs justification. So you need to then put across your point. What that also does as a byproduct is the other person feels the need to do the same because they don't want to be trampled on, right? So then their ego gets involved and all of a sudden, you know, the other person in the relationship feels that they need to justify. So for me, I go in with an extremely disarming approach Mm. because I need to get to the nitty gritty stuff quickly. I don't want to sit around and talk about 
the anger levels as such. I, I need to uncover what's beneath the anger levels and kind of deal with that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Listen, the ego helps us in life, don't get me wrong, and it shouldn't be something we put in the top drawer and close, but it should also be something that should be left, that should be kept in check. Mm-hmm. Like I always give the analogy that the ego should be riding in the car with you, but it shouldn't be driving. I like that. It should should be in the back seat. You know what I mean? It's there, it's in the car, it's it's part of you, it's part it forms part of your confidence, it forms part of the narrative of how you're displayed in the world, your social media, your what you believe, you know, the ego forms part of that. So you can't just dismiss it. But at the same time, it has no place in the driver's yeah. seat of the car. And you do see people in the world that it has taken the driver's seat. Absolutely. And in a funny way, they become known for these big, big personality types, you know, and, and, and the nods all great, but you'll very you'll find very rarely that people are honest with those people. They just tell them what they want to hear because they they've got a very fragile ego because it's been driving the car for so long. Yeah. So it ends up being something that the resistance where I come across is definitely people believing that they're right and then justifiably backing that up by examples. You know, this is why I believe that I'm correct. Here there are examples for it. Rather than just kind of maybe sometimes sitting in that back seat of the car and just listening to what's going on in the front seat. Just, just you know, tell me what's going on in your life. Talk to me. Just I don't care what you say. Just talk to me. Just get it out. Get some stuff out. And it's not necessarily about me trying to interject or having a response. Mm-hmm. It's just about me trying to understand the other person's viewpoint independent of what I believe. And then if they can do the same, all of a sudden you've got this understanding that you're both communicating mm-hmm. at a level where you're loving and appreciating one another yeah. rather than just forcing your viewpoint as right as you are or as wrong as you are and forcing that viewpoint down someone else's throat, in particular the people that you love the most. Like that's for me dangerous. I was going to ask, what did you notice that changed in your relationship when you went from fear-based kind of living to heart-based truth like what's something you've really noticed about well that? lana and i are on the very much the same level when it comes to spirituality and love lana was ahead of me so to speak in that respect i was i'm a devout christian i believe in christ for me lana had a lot of other understandings of different religions and different love-based understandings in hinduism and buddhism and you know to a degree even islam you know in some respects and you think to yourself lana has this wider understanding And then she opened my eyes up to a love-based understanding from other people's religions as well. Mm. And our love grew when we both grew in that understanding. Like, for me, Christ is still my rock. But for Lana, Christ is in her life, but she's very much open to other teachings as well. So the fact that we're both on the love page allows us to move forward and add as much love in our relationship as we can. I'm not sure, Tara, if that answers your question, Tara, but yeah, things definitely changed for us. Before you started, uh, you know, that before that day in the cemetery, what did it look like? It was ego. It was vanity. I didn't like myself. And and I'll be honest, like there's still parts of my personality that I loathe and I'm I'm working on it. Like I'll be completely, I'm not sitting here preaching on top of any mountain because I'm not. And I've got parts of me, deep parts of me that I'm still trying to, understand why I think that way, like old subconscious programming. Mm -hmm. And it's still from my previous life. It's biologically embedded in me from my father in many respects. My dad is very ego-driven. He's all about money and he's all about showing off to people that he has it together. 
and inside him, he's in complete turmoil. Like he literally does not like himself. And in his view, as long as the world thinks he's okay, then everything else is fine. He'll deal with the internal stuff. But, you know, like I said previously before the podcast, it's, it's, if you don't work on your inside stuff first, mm. how can you possibly be okay with with giving the love away when you don't when you don't have it within? Yeah. Like, how can you right. give away five oranges if you don't have five oranges? How can you give away love when you don't have self love? Like, it ends up being very short based thinking. And the idea of wasted life or wasted love. What happened to you when you went into that cemetery? Yeah. Well, and and I I love what you're you're sort of defining here how much our ego gets in the way of loving our partner, you know, because I know in the times that I am the least supportive, the least loving, the least able to actively listen to Tara in a difficult moment, I'm functioning internally from that strong ego voice where something happens and I'm inside my head saying, can't believe this. This is baloney. What, like, how dare she say that? That's not true. And it's just all my ego and it's not loving. It's not caring. It's not supportive. And and that's one thing that I talk to all of my clients about, especially, honestly, especially the men is like being so aware of that internal voice because the minute that internal voice gets all wrapped around I and you, it just separates us Mm -hmm. from our partner and we don't listen to them and we're not empathetic. And then they start reacting too, because it's so frustrating to not be loved in a difficult moment. I know, Tara, that's Mm. something that we've struggled with and are continuing to work through. Forever. It's a life path. Yeah, because that ego is sneaky. It's got a way of working its way in. Absolutely. And I feel it in me as well. Like I feel I've had the experience and I have the education and I have the knowledge. Why shouldn't I say these things? And you come to a realization, and it's this age-old axiom that we're probably all aware of, which is sometimes it's better to be kind than to be right. Mm. Love it. I think that really plays in here. If I see Lana emotionally going off the rails and she feels absolutely justified in what she's saying, and let's just say hypothetically she's getting me in trouble for something I did or didn't do, right? I, instead of arguing back and trying to justify my position, I realize that It doesn't matter what I say right now. It's not going to really help her. She needs to get into a position where the anger has subsided somewhat. And then all of a sudden, then she's at a level where communication will be much more easily received. So I I actually say it and I just say, listen, we're not in a position to discuss this right now because we're both quite heated in what we're saying. How about we leave it alone for a minute and we come back to it tomorrow or the day after or this Mm -hmm. afternoon or tonight or whatever. And then we're both at a level where we can kind of communicate. Yeah. Takes a lot of emotional maturity to actually Absolutely. say that. And I'm not speaking from inflation here. I'm speaking from, you know, 23 years being with someone. Right. You've got to know your partner and yourself so you know when is the best time to effectively communicate about a problem that you're having so it has the largest impact on your relationship. So you don't have to revisit the same problem over and over and over again. So, so it ends up, I end up, with Lana and when she's, let's just say, and she would hate me saying this, if she's screaming or whatever, and I just kind of inside calm my nerves and mm-hmm. I go to a place of gratitude for the amazing stuff that we've got going on despite this current argument. 
we've got such amazing things happening in our lives. We've got opportunities on social media that are happening right now. Lana's job is she's got to offer another opportunity because she's so good at a job. Mm. My little six-year-old has got the personality of Beyonce. You know, she wants to be on stage <laughs> singing. My other one has got the personality of, I don't know, like a Greek philosopher sitting there from the mountain shop contemplating life. So they're, they're very different girls. <laughs> and we've got, you know, investments. And we've got this happening and that happening. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, have we actually stopped to realise right. how blessed we are? Like, and that's the internal state that I try to get back to as much as I can. That calms me. Yeah. And then I can get back to the conversation later that was this that important, you know, like what we're arguing about, look at the amazing stuff we've got going on. And, yeah, we try and find a solution to the problem that we're facing, but it doesn't derail us for weeks. It'll mm-hmm. probably derail us for one day if we're lucky, you know, if we're unlucky. I mean, what you're, what I'm hearing you say is, because we talk a lot about nervous system activation, and when there's two nervous systems in flight, fight, freeze, like forget about it, you're out of your window of tolerance, it's just like a shit show from there. And that, and you're saying when I when I notice my partner is kind of highly activated, I really try to calm myself down because we mirror each other, and that is like I mean it's something that we're constantly talking about in our own life and with our couples, is that when you can get out of that kind of activated nervous system, that's when we get to access whatever our path is, whatever our true self is. All that other stuff is from old stuff, attachment theory, old pain, but we get so hijacked by it. When I love that your hack a lot of times is gratuity, right? The, is, I love the gratuity hack. Yeah. That's, that's a book right there, right is there. Like, the hey, gratuity I can, hack. They're like, once I feel that ego coming up in a difficult moment with my partner, if I just focus a little bit on just, just the things I can be grateful about in my life, Wow, it's easier for my heart rate not to raise up. It's it's easier for me to not get trapped in repetitive negative thoughts. Yeah. It's know. hard to do when you're in the heat of the moment and you feel justified in your in your yeah. resentment or when you feel justified in your argument in what you're saying is true and correct and based on fact. Well, because you're not grateful for that particular moment. That's for darn sure. Yeah, absolutely. And this is where the ego does uh, take the driver's seat. And let's be honest, the ego does take the driver's seat from time to time, but it's it's how often how often can you kind of open the car door and tell him to get in the back um, and getting better and better at that every time. Exactly. You it's practice it. It's hard to do, it. but it's possible. So how do you... Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. You bring in your learning, your healing, your kind of advancing spiritually and within your relationship and trying to live that truth for you. How did you bring that into the corporate world? Um, First of all, um, at the beginning of COVID, I recognized the shift within myself that um, whether you're in corporate or whether you're at home, like let's let's say the same person has got a corporate job or a CEO or a C-suite manager or whatever they are, and they're also a mother and a father, you know, to, to, and they're also, they've got kids and they're also, you know, have a life other than their corporate world. 
you realize that you're just dealing with people. It's not overly complicated. Like you're just dealing with people. So I looked at the foundation, the, the founding principles of what led me to the one-on-one coaching, and it was gratitude. Gratitude for not just the um, the great things, but I tell you, if you can be a spiritual master, and if you look at the spiritual masters over the last two and a half thousand years, what you'll find is that they've got gratitude for all of it. Mm. Most people have gratitude for the plane landing safely on the tarmac. The spiritual master on that plane will say, thank you for the plane ride, despite the turbulence. And that's the difference between higher human awareness and ordinary human awareness, right? So I thought mm-hmm. to myself, how do I bring this into a corporate setting? So on LinkedIn, I've put a, a presentation there called Gratitude Leadership. And it's all about how C-suite managers and owners of businesses, I mean, law firms are now approaching me, guys. This is about as left brain as you can get, like law firms are actually saying, Barry, we want to understand your principles and see how they can help our business. And it's understanding that that you have to get into a place of, this is going to sound esoteric, but you have to get to a place of self-love to be able then to give the best of yourself in all areas of life. Yeah. As a father, as a son, as an employee, you have to be able to get to a place where you trust and love your path and your purpose and the good that you're putting into the world in all of your roles, And corporate is one of those roles, right? And that's the conversations that I have with a lot of my, especially this law firm that I've got now, there's 600 lawyers. So I need help. (laughs) (laughs) Looking for people that are kind of on the same level because you get to a realisation that um, for, for anyone to give their best at their jobs, they've got to be in a really kind of love based position themselves. And how do you do that? And is it corporate's responsibility to do that? Probably not. But moving forward, do you want the best talent? Absolutely. Yes. So I've ended up kind of finding a crack. (laughs) Shifting the world one corporation, one lawyer at a time. I love that spiritual elevation. So, so you have this uh, this big realization. It leads you to reading to writing this book that that really outlines this sort of new philosophy. First, I guess, for yourself, but then how others can benefit from it. And now you've written a second book. So tell us about like your set your second book. What is it called? Well, what are you taking on in that? Well, I'm showing you something on screen here. I don't know if you can see it. This is the manuscript for the next book, which is coming out in three weeks. Can you see that on screen? Yes. Move the mountain, intention reset. Love it. And guys, this is all with my other work that goes on. It's crazy. I basically don't sleep. So it's super cool because um, I'm sorry I'm getting excited because no, I've put all thing. of my love and attention on how to make the world a better place, starting from yourself. Yeah. Not necessarily going out and saying, I want to change the world. Like everyone wants to change the world. And it's great to say that. And it's great to feel that inspired and motivated. But you realize that unless you change yourself, you are not in a position to change anything. Unless you are the change that you want to see in the world, well, then it's just hot air. You're just speaking from a place of inflation. You're not speaking from a place of genuine care. So the book ended up uncovering how thoughts do become things, how our thoughts drive like from a scientific level, and I don't mind sharing it with you now, there's a process that I've put in the book to understand how thoughts become things. Essentially, if you take matter, so skin and bone, and then you take a microscope to matter, the doctor will say, well, Barry, you've got cells in matter, and within cells you've got molecules, 
And you're very interested in understanding this. So you go into molecules and you go, well, what's inside molecules? What you'll find is atoms. Mm -hmm. You go down further still into atoms and you go, well, let's go further into the body here. What's inside atoms? You get subatomic particles. Now, because you're curious, you go deeper and you want to understand what's inside subatomic particles. And what you find is these little things called quarks, Q-U-A-R-K-S. You can Google quarks and have a look at what they are. And if you look at a quark under an electron microscope, the molecular structure of quarks shift and change just through the observer effect. Just by looking at them, they will change. And then you ask the next logical question, which is what on earth influences quarks to shift like that? And the only thing that my research has come up with is thought. Thought influences quarks that influence subatomic particles, atoms, molecules, mm -hmm. cells, and what we see as matter. So when we say that thoughts become things, that is the science behind it. We are understanding that right down to the molecular level, a thought germinates, and then we see the physical expression of that on the material plane. And that is probably the most exciting and the most daunting prospect wow. that humanity can consider. Because we're at a level yeah. where you look at the woes in the world, you look at the problems in the world, you look at from a political standpoint, from an economic standpoint, you look at, oh, my God, which way is the world going? And this is horrible. And then if you look at scenarios like, you know, this beautiful podcast, and if you look at marriages getting back together, and if you look at children being born, and you look at people working on it, you know, people can easily quit. Quitting is the easiest thing you can do. But they're going back to the negotiating table and they're going, okay, how can we work this out? Like those conversations are also happening in the world. So, so what's right and what's wrong here? Like what's the way forward? And you realize that everything that exists in the world stems from what you want to experience, from the desire that you have. Yeah, I mean, I, wow. that just, I, I was thinking of a, of a couple that I, uh, that I saw yesterday and I was, they've been together a long time and there's this dynamic that ex has existed since the very beginning of their relationship. And there's been, a, both of them have had a lot of thoughts about it and they've been very powerful. And it's, and you know, that, like you said, that affects you on the most core level of yourself. And if the, you're having those repetitive thoughts for, for hours, days, weeks, months, years, decades, it has an effect on the relationship, has an effect on the individual. And, th and that's what we try to do a lot is helping people build insight. But at the end of the day, you want to change the thoughts, right? Because if, because if you can change that, you then focus. everything changes. Where you focus, yeah. I'm deciding that I'm not reading the news at night anymore. Thank you, Barry. <laughs> I'm going to read good news. <laughs> hey, you know what we need to do? And I've been thinking about this for a long time. So if someone pinches this idea, they can go for it and run with it. But there has to be a good news website. I know. Just good stories. Because people have to know the other side of the equation exists. Because if we're all getting fed one side of the argument, well, we're going to start to believe it. Yeah. There's this duality that we need to understand that exists. It's not just the one side of the equation. Yeah. But what I was going to suggest, if you have a patent pen, and for anyone listening, if you have a patent pen, I've got a six-step process that I'd love you to see if you can initiate. And I don't know if you're open to it, guys. I can. Yeah, go for it. So this is a process... To, to create anything, right? And it's a process to go through your own mind. This is how I use it with my one-on-one -on -one clients and my corporates now. So number one, the first thing you've got to consider is your desire. I want to know what you want. So define your desire. A lot of people don't. They define what they don't want. 
That's not the same thing. Um, I want health is not the same as I don't want cancer. It's they're different things. You've got to define what you want, define your desire. The number two is you need to understand the possibility of that. Understand the possibility. So I research people in the world that have got it. And this thing is real. It's not like I'm making it up, right? So define it. Let's say, for example, your desire is a happy marriage. Do people have happy marriages? Yes. Can I Google or do I know anyone that has that? Yes. So that's real. So that's the second step. So understand the possibility. The third step is to feel the feeling of that. Now, this goes down to that quantum quarks mm-hmm. level. You've got to really feel the feeling of the possibility of that. So what I do is I go into meditation twice a day and I, I actually feel what it would be like to live in a happy marriage. For example, let's just use marriage, right? So what would that feel like? It would mean us being considerate. It would mean us having being kind to the children. It would mean us disciplining the children and them growing up as great adults, as value-based adults. What does it look like to have a great marriage? And just go through the feelings of loving your partner and, and getting through your fights, getting through your fights quicker and quicker every time. Like, what does it feel like? The fourth area to getting what you want is to release the doubt and toxicity. And what I mean release the doubt and toxicity is I mean that if you are doing the first three steps well and you leave doubt and toxicity at its current levels, I'm letting you know you're treading water. Mm -hmm. So I identify the people, the scenarios, the circumstances that consistently overshadow what I want to create. And I look at sometimes the people closest to me and I'm like, why do I feel so drained every time I catch up with certain people? Mm. So I, what I tend to do is I just limit my contact with certain people in my life and even with strangers that I don't know very well, I limit myself to their energy levels because I don't want it affecting me and I very much pick up on people's energy. So I leave that alone. So identify and release toxicity and doubt. The fifth area, which is a little bit scary to do, but it's very necessary, is to release the timing of things. Hmm. What I found is that when we are in a situation where we want things to happen on a goal, like a goal-oriented time frame, that we end up forcing it through. And I don't know about you guys, but when I, anytime I've forced anything, it's been temporary success. Mm-hmm. It's not been permanent success, right? Because I've forced it through. So I've allowed the timing of things to work out to its own rhythmic flow. I'm working on things, but I'm not strangling it with saying it has to happen tomorrow or it has to happen next week or it has to happen next month. I'm not doing that. And what tends to happen when you're of that mindset is that good things come and good things stay. Mm. And it's really important to allow the timing of the universe aligned with your thoughts and God himself to know what's best for your life and then trust in that. Like it's really important that you trust in that. You've got a much better view of the city from the aeroplane than you do from the car. So right now we're all in our cars. We've all got the ground view, but there's an aerial view of our life that that exists at the same time. And I've given myself over to the understanding of that higher awareness mm-hmm. and that it knows it's what's best for me while I'm working towards what I want. So release the timing. And by the way, try and force a flower to open 
or try and force the waves of the beach to come in at a certain time. You won't. Nature is the biggest guide for us. It's there for us right in the face, looking at us going, let me teach you. That's what nature is doing for us, right? And the sixth area, the last area, is to embrace your new reality, which means that once you are in a situation that you have worked towards, then know that you can get bigger if you want to. Like you've, you've achieved something on a smaller scale, it is the same formula, it is the same energy, it is the same life force that works for small things, that works for large things. You know, the new book is called Move the Mountain, right? It's the same energy that moves the pebble, that moves the mountain. It is the same, it just looks bigger in our minds, but it is, this, it is belief, we're talking about belief. If you believe you can achieve something and you do, then you can achieve the larger as well. Yeah, the, the one that really jumps out for me in the context of couples, in the context of, of, of Tara and I, is that, is that number five, release the timing, is that the changes that we make sometimes, they take place gradually over time. And you have to stay connected to them and you have to keep doing those things you were talking about, like feeling it and releasing doubt and, and toxicity. But man, one the huge obstacle is like, I want it right now. This isn't enough. Oh yeah, I got a little bit, That's but I want ego. more, 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 more. <laughs> exactly, it is, it's ego, it, it is. It's, it's like that part of you that's just like, I deserve it all right now. And there's like a fine line between that I want it now and embracing the new reality, right? Is you have to be willing to see those smaller things that are happening that mean you're moving in that direction. That's big. For, for me, huge. at least that's I'm big. I'm sitting here just like taking it all in and feeling so grateful for Barry and all of the research and the leadership and the modeling and just the message, the message you're trying to get out in the world because of your own healing and reflection like i'm just i'm amazed oh thank you so much for saying so um sometimes i myself feel that i'm not doing enough like i feel like oh i could be making a bigger impact and i could be making i could be doing this and i could be doing that and i start comparing myself yeah. to other people <laughs> i have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> that person's got forty thousand followers on instagram i've only got 17 <laughs> what's going on with life you know? yes, yes and then i Guys, just quickly, I realized that last in 2021, I was on one podcast. In 2022, I was on 63. Oh my God. It's, gosh, it's release the timing, Barry. I'll like, God knows when the right time is for me. He's yeah. like, Barry, you're not ready yet. You're not ready yet. You're not ready. And then all of a sudden, an avalanche comes and you're like, now I get it. Now I'm at opinion where the second book's coming. Now my family's at a level where I can speak from experience. Now my wife and I have been married 17. It's like, trust me, Barry. It's like your children, you know, trust. The, you're, you're their parents, right? They trust you that you know what you're doing and you're doing things in the background that they've got no idea about. Mm. Trust that life operates in the same way. There are things in the background that we have no idea about. And we just have to be understanding that if we do that for our children, then that's the same way it works for us. And just trust that timing that things do happen in the right way at the right time for us to learn the right lessons that get us to the next understanding. Absolutely. If you can embrace that, you'll be as close to peace <laughs> as you'll ever be. Yeah. As you're going to get, yeah. And it's so funny because I'm already was like defining 
the desire, the number one, and it is peace. Well, I know we, you know, we just sort of scratched the surface, but we got a really good idea of, uh, of the ideas that blossomed out of that day at the cemetery. Mm. Um, but I, I definitely want to give our audience the opportunity to like, you know, so how does somebody, how do they learn more about what you're doing? How do they connect with you, Barry? Well, the best thing, I mean, Google knows everything these days, right? So just Google my name and the first couple of pages will be on me. There's a few links there that you can contact me on. But if you just go to my website, uh, just barrynicolau.com, the surname's a bit tricky because it's Greek. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yes, I'm sure it's in the show notes. Um, but yeah, just, just Instagram and LinkedIn is probably where you'll find me most these days. The new book is coming out on the 7th of February. I want to leave the world in a better place for grace and harmony. And that's, that's, that's what Beautiful I'm doing. Thing. Well, we'll definitely, uh, in the show notes uh, to today's show, we'll have the, your links in there so people who are listening can, can get directly to you really easy without knowing the Greek spelling of your name. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we, we just, uh, like Tara says, we're so grateful to to have the opportunity to speak with people like yourself and, and just, you know, I, I love your ideas, but really what I love is your excitement and your passion. Mm -hmm. Like you can just, I can That's hear it. I can feel it that you're, you know, in that passion to make this world a better place to, you know, we focus on the individual, the couple, and it just reverberates like the, you know, the, the quark being the basis of it in society. It's, it's the individual, right? That, that one individual getting something out of this podcast today and reverberating out in a positive way is going to just impact, you know, everything around them. So thank you for being a thought leader in changing the world in a positive way, Barry. Thank you for having me and it's beautiful to be in this space with you and just guys please continue your amazing work because you are impacting so many people you don't know where the ripples end oh thank you barry i feel so grateful that i had this hour or however long it was with you like you've changed internal thinking systems right now and yeah what a great energy feel thank you for having me i'm sure it won't be our last chat <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely well you know thank you listeners out there thank you for being a part of our show please leave any comments any questions reach out to barry if you want to hear more about him you know always leave order us that your, book. yeah order that book you know leave any questions comments for us ideas for shows uh, people you'd like to see us interview we love your feedback back it helps makes our show better we appreciate all of you yeah and, uh, and as always just take care of each other take care of yourself and uh, we'll see you next time all right bye 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 me and you just singing on the train me and you listening to the rain me and you we are the same me and you have all the fame we need indeed you and me are we This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. 
Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.